Wardcast episode 263. Go! I'm Dylan Vento, and I am rejoined by Alex Damrath. I'm here. You're here. Again. Again. It's our third part in our continuing saga of finding out the best games we played this year. It's been a trip. Yeah. What a long, strange trip it's been. Yeah. Before we get to these final few games, Alex, I made a, a offhand comment earlier to the Zyborn clock, and mm-hmm. you met me with confusion and and a, a blank visage on your face. This is correct. Are you not familiar with the infamous Zyborn clock? I'm not. Okay. Um, so let's do let's do some let's do some old internet history before we get into some video game talk. Uh, the Zyborn <laughs> clock a is a um, failed video game project uh, born out of the something awful forum circa I want to say 2000 three maybe maybe a little bit later early to mid aughts i want to say um all right the zyborn clock was a project just kind of haphazardly thrown together by a couple of people on the forums if you're familiar with something all i was never a something awful person because that was before my time um but i'm familiar with it and kind of the the things that were kind of spun off from it um uh, all you really know, need to know is that it's a pretty uh, uh, infamous internet forum that predates meme culture, and it kind of kind of gave birth to like troll culture a bit, as far as I know. And there's just like a lot of just kind of storied stuff that's come out of it. One of the things being the Zyborn Clock. The Zyborn Clock right. was the name of a video game project where a bunch of people on something awful decided, "Hey, we're gonna make a video game." And in this is, uh, this is starting off on the best foot, <laughs> right? And in traditional uh, first game project mistake, instead of really thinking about scope or game design or anything of that nature, they instead decided to focus mainly on concept art and tons of lore. And just tons and tons and tons of lore. And so the Zyborn clock, and, and, and it's all very spotty in terms of like what the concrete stuff is about the Zyborn clock, um, because a lot of that information has kind of been lost to the, the sands of time. Um, the main things are there is a device. Uh, so the game was going to be like an RPG uh, in a steampunk setting. It's... Uh, featured this device called the Zyborn clock that was kind of like the Ocarina of Time that could like send you forward and back between time but in doing sure. so like cost temporal displacement and they had this whole like fucking flow chart like like in fucking Back to the Future 2 where Doc Brown like draws the parallel timelines and how they affect one another. Mm-hmm. It's uh, actually called a Zyborn clock's monster. Uh, <laughs> is that anything? <laughs> No, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get points, gold star for you. Um, <laughs> uh, and and they kind of had. I'm gonna show some of this uh, concept art to you because you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna love this. I, um, I feel like I will. 
just so, going off of how much I enjoy other something awful adventures. <laughs> you know, so like, what? Oh the, my god! Yeah. So uh, kind of one of the prominent characters was this character named Johnny Five Aces, uh, named so because I guess he gambled with five aces in his hand, uh, and. The only thing that really exists about Johnny Five Aces is this one very shitty piece of concept art that I, I believe most of the the people, quote unquote, the developers on this game were like teenagers. And so they were just just making a whole bunch of nonsense. But it was early the, something awful. So almost assuredly, yes. Yeah. And the game never became anything. It like quickly evaporated be- but it became entrenched in something awful lore and people would just constantly make concept art of Johnny five aces and like his <laughs> escapades and like maybe like small, like one-off comic strips and just a bunch of bullshit and mocking anyone that was like involved in the project. And I think the single, there was like a person involved in the project early on that had a uh, professional game development experience and he was promptly kicked out of the project because he told the other people on the the Zyborn clock project that hey y'all aren't focusing on the correct things and you're spending way too much time on like world building and all this stuff before you even have a game so they quickly got rid of him because no room for naysayers here on the Zyborn clock project yeah you can't have Um, someone with experience working on a project as grand as this yeah um nintendo but that's does that all the is. time and it works out for them mm-hmm. uh but that's basically what it is it's it's just like it's very classic something awful thing and it's been referenced in like fallout new vegas and i think like one or two other games um apparently brigador the, yeah brigador you can get johnny five aces in brigador as one of the characters um and they always make sure to like design him similarly to how he's drawn here with like just a very like just uh, like ridiculously proportioned facial features just like an extremely large <laughs> nose or like just very gaunt cheekbones and yeah and people Distinct have made like fake mustache. trailers yes yes he has his infamous goatee uh and yeah it's just and, and the drawing is just like something someone would draw on like the the columns of their spiral notebook or something this drawing actually was rediscovered by the person that drew it recently i think like two years ago and they put it up for auction on ebay um as like a piece of of old internet lore and i think it was sold for like five grand and the person that got it has it like framed and is kind of that archived it properly yeah i i feel it important to touch on why this has come up uh you (laughs) discovered a tweet uh from mr six degrees of ryu yes which is a wonderful twitter account that uh tries to create connections between you know street fighters mascot ryu hayabusa and that's not his name (laughs) ryu hayabusa is the ninja gaiden guy (laughs) you are correct sorry ryu street fighter um uh with other uh uh with as obscure a video game character as possible given uh, uh, you know, just trying to find connections between him and other video game characters. I guess uh, maybe in an attempt to prove some theory that there is always six degrees. Uh, every video game character is six degrees from from Ryu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so yeah, the this tweet that they put out recently is uh, the your boss from Cruelty Squad. 
the handler, um, Mr. Sort of Jabba the Hut looking motherfucker. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say he's like a fusion of Pizza the Hut and Slimer from Ghostbusters. Yeah, he's hideous. He's awful. But can you imagine somehow, somehow this guy is connected to Ryu from Street Fighter? Anyway, they found a way. Um, mm-hmm. I am not entirely sure where uh, Mr. Empty Fuck uh, comes into I think into that's play the main character. That looks like the main character. Squad? Yeah. I, maybe? Yeah. That might Is be that his what... canonical name that's just never referenced within the actual game itself. Well, I'm wondering if just because like maybe Cruelty Squad has some panache of, like I don't know, a Hong Kong 6097... Uh, uh, total disdain for copyright. Um, maybe it's like borrowing existing characters. It probably is. I mean, it's got like mm. the the wallpaper made of Funko Pop P- uh, JPEGs. <laughs> like, if that's the connection that's happening here, um, uh, these two characters exist in this game because uh, MT Foxtrot from Brigador, uh has his likeness has been like used in Ed cruelty squad somewhere um, if not the main character then somewhere although i do see the resemblance yeah um but yeah so as we mentioned johnny five aces is in brigador um so that's that connection then johnny five aces and also in fallout new vegas uh as is marcus from fallout 2 uh fallout 2 had a skin pack in minecraft uh and minecraft is an easy connection to ryu via yeah. smash ultimate um most of these connections ultimately end with either smash ultimate or snk versus street fighter or marvel versus capcom or just regular street fighter because obviously I mean, you need to make that jump at this point Fortnite as well um oh that's true yeah 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 it, it's it's ryu does actually have quite a few avenues to work with these days i don't know when this account was created um, but it's had to have gotten a lot easier lately. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's that uh, uh, old. I think it's within the past year or two. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yes. Joined June 2021, the Six Degrees of Ryu account. Okay. Never mind. Well, so, yeah. still, uh, you got a lot of material there. Um, a lot of, a lot of exactly. good stuff to work with. Still, yeah. um, that is fucking hysterical that somehow managed to find a connection between ryu and and cruelty squad (laughs) yeah um but of course any reference to johnny five aces immediately makes me start thinking about the zyborn clock in its entirety and which i'm going to have to take a deep dive into at some point there's not a lot to be honest like i could send you like the three links like it's like the know your meme page and like this one guy that like archived a bunch of stuff from the something awful forums and I guess you have to pay for something awful account, which I guess if you were around from that time, maybe that's a no brainer, but like you have to pay for like archive access to something awful. They know um, they know their worth, apparently. I guess so. That, and that's the only reason anyone comes to something awful anymore is like obscure yeah. internet history that originated from there. Yeah. Um But I think what I ultimately want, I want someone to make an actual Zyborn clock game. Um, I don't know. It doesn't have to hew too close to the like original design docs, if there even are any, or like, cause so much, so much of the dialogue, like there's just snippets of like the dialogue and world building, and it's all god awful. And like Johnny <laughs> Five Aces in 
Fallout New Vegas, uh, you find him only if you have the Wild West perk, which like makes like weird happenings and sightings happen, like UFOs and whatever yes. appear in the game. The one necessary um, perk in Fallout exactly. New Vegas. And you find him very early on and like near the starting location, and it's just his corpse laid out on like a kind of bluff as he's like a lookout of sorts, and he's uh accompanied by a folding table which has five ace cards on it and then these four orbs and the four orbs are like also infamous as part of like the terrible world building of cyborg clock where like the four orbs are used as like a comparison point for like time travel because when you time travel you create duplicates of yourself and it's like imagine there were four orbs on a cliff and that some bullshit i don't we don't need to go into it we've already gone we've spent enough time on this yeah uh that's the cyborg (laughs) clock but i want to see someone to like take that just the name and do something with it i think all you need is the name maybe a steampunk setting and you definitely have to have johnny five aces in there somewhere of course uh like like similarly to how jeff minter eventually made a plebeius game Mm -hmm. i want to see a cyborg clock game i i think kojima could write it from what i'm hearing I mean, it would be just as comprehensible as the original. It, that's exactly <laughs> my point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could I you start talking about like four orbs on the edge of a cliff and I'm like, "Oh, this is like a this is a Kojima game." Mhm. Immediately. Just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, we got a couple of games left on the stocket here. Yeah. Not many. Uh, speaking of bullshit, let's talk about dodgeball. Yeah, um, okay. The Sport of Kings. Yes. <laughs> you ever play dodgeball in real life dylan like like how much dodgeball did you play as a kid i played a little bit but mostly in pe they would make us use the felt balls like the squishy like spongy ones oh uh, were they like rubber coated or were they like really squishy like nerf, no they were basically. like felts they were like felt on the outside and it was like a sponge core inside of it okay and did they have like any weight to them like could no. you actually throw yeah yeah because i've played dodgeball with those balls and that sucks yeah you, you want like something you know soft but but with some weight you know it's gotta sting a little when you get hit well the thing with a kickball ball or your regular dodgeball is that if you get a good good hit with that that could probably do some damage there's probably like one too oh, yeah. many lawsuits <laughs> against public school systems that have outlawed those types of balls in a dodgeball setting so I used to go to an after school program and I'll keep this brief, but um, they had some pretty regular, like at least like once or twice a week, uh, uh, a a group wide um, program wide dodgeball game. And they had like official dodgeball sanctioned dodgeballs, like from the from the dodgeball league or something. Mm-hmm. And they were similarly like soft inner core um but like dense enough so that they could actually like you know get air when you threw them and with like a a rubbery outer coating um that that would like bounce reliably as well uh and and they didn't like you know never ever did permanent damage happen but they hurt (laughs) enough Uh that you knew when you were hit hit and and like that was that was uh you know those are good balls good dodge balls uh balls Knockout City's good dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect segue. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Knockout City, a game we played a decent amount of earlier this year. Right. Um, that I, I really enjoyed. I didn't know 
what to expect. I, I always have my always have high hopes. Always have high hopes for multiplayer games of this sort that aren't shooters. And you know, I think of games like Bleeding Edge. I think of games like uh, Battle Cry, which never came out, but it was like the the studio that went on to I think take off most of the work of Fallout seventy six. Um, I think uh, For Honor kind of falls in this category For Honor, somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, most of those are kind of martial arts uh, or martial combat type games. Um, uh, Sifu might strike a similar core, or uh, right. I guess Absolver did, and Sifu is more the single player kind of component of that. Yeah, and like Absolver is sort of a Dark Soulsy single player invaded by multiplayer. Oh, okay. Um, so it, it's it's less so. Um, it just had a very driven community uh i i think um you said no not a shooter but i i this game makes me think of rocket arena sure a lot um Mm -hmm. and and that might be a third person shooter but it played a whole lot more like smash brothers and uh that was the biggest parallel i could draw in fact when when it came out i sort of thought oh no not another rocket arena (laughs) Yeah, because that game a very good game that just like never found an audience. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that game didn't really have legs, did it? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, from what I played, it was like, oh man, this is great, and I could really see myself like getting into it, and I could just like I could attract nobody to it. Nobody else wanted to play Rocket Arena. <laughs> I was interested, but I don't know what prevented me. Was that like around the time Master Chief Collection came I... to PC? couldn't say for sure but that sounds right that might have been why um i remember uh when i once i once interviewed this guy uh in middle school who was a local game developer down in um hampton roads virginia he uh was working on a game called oust which played or or felt um thematically similar to rocket arena where it was kind of like smash brothers but you had um guns of sort i think it was mostly like real guns or something but it was like a third person shooter where you couldn't kill people you just had to kind of get them out into the blast zone off the map they had a damage number and the higher the number the farther they flew and you had like higher skill shots that did more knockback and uh lower skill shots that were like meant for building damage and power-ups and lives and teammates it was it was it was good it was a great time anyway that's a lot of talk devoted to what is not knockout city uh knockout city is pretty cool it's it's got a lot of style a lot of flair um i like your radio announcer guy basically every time you load into a match he's got a a certain flair Mm -hmm. um not quite a halo announcer but like you know it's its own thing no he's like a he's like a slick disc jockey he's like exactly. hey all you cool cat he's a very reminds me of three dog a little bit from fallout 3 but he's like all you cool cats out there welcome to knockout city we're gonna take you live to this next battle little little rambling frank spicer from sure from death sure. loop even yeah yeah it's it's that kind of vibe it's very much sort of rooted in a uh a 50s aesthetic mm-hmm um, the idea of of retro cars with fins and and rocket jet tail lights and uh, everyone's got hair with like far too much gel in it. Yeah. Uh, leather greaser jackets. culture, greaser culture, retro futurism. 
Right. Yeah, that that's a that's a great way to put it. it, it yeah, it's it's like set in a world where like the 50s never left, but technology kept going, I guess. And you know, that's not really the focus. It's no. just like the vibe that they have created around this this thing. And that's what like I think I attach to the most. Um cuz I I definitely fell off this gameplay hard. Uh a couple of I don't know, 20, 30 or so matches and I just like shelved this one forever. Oh um, really? So why don't you talk about why you liked it so much? <laughs> um, I think it had a a good kind of I don't know. It had a good balance in its in its gameplay. Um, I feel like a lot of games like this kind of almost default to a rock paper scissors kind of mentality. Um, and a great way to avoid that is that this was mostly about. Like there are no power. Well, I mean, I guess there there are specialty balls, but the mm-hmm. specialty balls aren't always. They're not a guarantee, right? Uh, they can um, be caught like any other ball used against you. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the most surest of them is that sniper ball because it just it comes at you so fast it can be hard to dodge it or catch it. Right. Um. But yeah, it's it's I it's a game that's mostly built around strategy and not kind of weapons control where where the weapons in this would be the balls. Like the balls are obviously like your tools to attack other people, but you can always, when you come up against someone, unlike in something like Halo or any multiplayer shooter, like the second you see someone, you're immediately going to start laying fire into them. Whereas in this, you're going to be seeing people all the time, but you're always going to like kind of, strafe around them position yourself and then like see when you can fake them out and like toss a ball and like you know you have all the different spin moves it's like oh i can throw the ball overhand or underhand or perfectly straight or i could charge it up and throw it faster and like that variety allows the game to be uh much more interesting Mm -hmm. and have a lot more depth than a game a game like this in the hands of developers that didn't know what to do with it or maybe like chose a different design path with it. Yeah, you have to like make a very split second decision on you know like do I have a ball? Do I have the ball? Um, what is my best defensive course here? How do I change it up? It's kind of like a it's it's actually almost exactly like a pitcher in baseball making sure that you know they they're switching between uh, curveball splitter. Um, you know to a degree where it's not recognizable where your mm-hmm. opponent can't pick up on the pattern and and get you easily because uh, you have catching you have dodging i think that's it yeah uh your, your dodging is is a multiple multitude of movements uh where you can dash and roll and duck uh you can even turn into a ball which gives way to a whole another set of mechanics that i like but um this is mostly just about like the duels and i I liked that. I I liked the the high skill ceiling, the fact that you could sort of see yourself learning a lot from multiple instances of playing this game. It felt uniquely uh deep for for other games in its its sort of its sandbox, it, so to yeah. speak. I agree. Um and nothing's preventing me from going back to it other than Halo. And then, yeah. <laughs> other than uh, I have other games that I rather play. <laughs> um, well, not even that, but like that's where all my friends are right now. Like, if you know any anyone were to reach out and be like, "Hey, do you want to play some Knockout City?" I'd be like, "Yeah, sure." Like, nothing is stopping me from from playing it. And and I mean, maybe the 
maybe wherever the player skill ceiling is right now <laughs> might like i right. might jump in and be like oh everyone is like the meta is so entrenched in everyone's minds now and i haven't learned it that now it's no longer fun which i think happened a little bit like i think we took like a brief pause and then went back to it and then like we're like oh no like huge losing streak yeah and i, and I you know i i remarked about it being like the same as valorant which that happened for me uh where we stopped playing for a little while and came back and just like could not win <laughs> wasn't even really learning how to win just just constantly taking l's and and feeling like okay well everyone's figuring this game out but but we forgot everything yeah i mean that game's, that game's made worse by the fact that it's free to play and it's just rife with smurfing it's just whenever someone that's at the top of the you know ranked leaderboards is bored it's like oh i'm just gonna make a new burner riot account and then just start over and it's like oh this person's popping headshots left and right even though they're unranked quote unquote but they're still they're they're actually like platinum what i don't remember what the top rank is but like platinum one or whatever um the top rank was called valorant which is just great uh yeah that's good and, and i'm still like I, I still like i'm interested in it um as much as like i check on like oh like what kind of skins are they coming up with and oh what's the new characters and whatnot but like i've i haven't played it in basically all year <laughs> uh me and mr harris foster uh we had a wager with ourselves when we were playing we were really into it a little while ago and we were just having kind of like a really bad losing streak and just getting really frustrated and harris was like all right this next game if we lose, we put the game down forever. If we win, we'll keep playing it. And we lost. If we put the game down, we haven't touched it since. Very good. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man. Well, anyway, that was... Knockout City is pretty good, though. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I think it's a combination of like everyone else is playing other things, and I want to go where my friends are. Uh, and I'm a little... like just kind of eh on on the loop at this point uh the mechanical hooks haven't dug as deeply into me as i think they did you uh but i mean it's it is really good it is really well polished um solid net code good animation um the vibe is there it it just it works out of the box I like the emotes i had a emote in the beta where my guy flexed his arm and went pow yeah good emotes <laughs> good flexing mm-hmm. um yeah it feels very very good to like win a duel in that game because it feels much more like skinnier teeth uh than most other games can accomplish um halo's very like back and forth just as an example uh but like like a like a i've or, or not back and forth but more like i don't know a Euroboros or some kind where you spawn and you get a kill and then someone spawned and like was behind you the whole time and they kill you and then you like rinse and repeat a lot right. unless you like manage to you know break the cycle get a power weapon maybe get two or three more kills before you die again um well you're not- always going to take damage in halo is the thing right and if you're skilled enough in knockout city you can avoid taking damage even if you're facing a full frontal assault like if people right. are throwing balls at you you could be fast enough to catch them throw them back or toss them to a teammate or and dodge them at the same time whereas in halo if you have three or four people barreling down on you with assault rifles like you're gonna take some amount of damage and then you're gonna be like bleeding out and then it's just gonna take one wayward bullet from somewhere else on the map to clean you up 
like like the flow is just categorically different and yeah it's like you said um you can turn the tide uh in favor of your team so quickly and and then they can right like like in that scenario you just mentioned where maybe you're like in a 1v4 and they're tossing balls at you and you're catching them you're being great you know you're playing out of your goddamn mind you're catching these balls you're tossing them to teammates and you've just like swung the fight immediately uh uh you you've just been on the ball uh the dodgeball and uh everyone on your team is now armed and ready to strike back and then they do the same thing like they catch all the balls and now it's like it's a panic and and it's a very very tight sort of fighting game-esque like oh i could do this no i can't do this i can't i could do this i can't do this i you know advantage disadvantage advantage disadvantage and it is a solid as hell experience uh gotta give props to knockout city like i said i I don't really know exactly why i haven't got past it outside of like my theories i guess but um good game well i'm glad we agree best game of the year (laughs) what dylan we have four more what like what alex well like resident evil 8 i mean resident evil village i mean resident evil 8 Illage. You mean eight, Resident eight-lage, Evil 7-2? Uh, yeah. Um, so, Resident Evil. Dylan, how familiar are you? Have you, like, watched any of the movies? Are, are you a uh, uh, Resident Evil fan? <laughs> fan is such a strong word for this. <laughs> but you have watched, like, franchise. a ton of the movies, right? Like, that's uh, what I so hear. F- uh, 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 so far we've only watched two. We've watched the first Resident Evil, uh, the the Mila Jovovich uh, star vehicle, and the Infinite Darkness Netflix miniseries. Which I don't know why that exists. Because uh, which what Resident Evil fan was out there being like? You know what I really need? I need a story that takes place between Resident Evil Four and Resident Evil Five. Because I need to know what my boy. Leon S. Kennedy is doing for the president. Okay, but does it like go into why Chris had to punch that boulder? Because if it does, <laughs> that's important backstory. What's right his there. boulder punching motivation? Yeah. <laughs> no, these uh, questions will never be answered. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, outside of like the Resident Evil 3 remake, since Resident Evil 7... Uh, uh, these guys have been off the fucking chain with regards to making games that are seamlessly flow state inducing. Mm. I, I think when we talked about it at the beginning of the year, um, you mentioned someone said, I've never played a game that wanted me to beat it so bad. And I think that's a great great uh turn of phrase for this it's a game that is very very difficult to put down and i thought that about two and i thought that about seven and it's just it understands the the hooks that keep you going the the tumbling uh uh internal lock in your brain that just 
creates a, a, a web of, of, of paths, you know, like, a, like, a, oh, I just got this key. Now I know I need to go here. Now I, you know, oh, I cool. I found this cool weapon. I experienced this cool story moment. I found these cool enemies. I fought my way through them. I've got a ton of money. I should go back to the shop. Um, I'm back to the shop now. Oh, the shopkeeper, the game expected me to go to the shopkeeper with all of this money that I got from this area. And now the shopkeeper's handing me the key to the next area. Man, that's smart. Jesus, Resident Evil Village. How did you, how do you know all this? How did you predict my, anyway, it, it, it's very well built on that end and then on top of it i I mean it's just like extremely polished and i mean i sort of use that as a catch-all a lot of time but uh in this end i i think it really shines and just like how smooth the animation works how uh clean the combat feels uh, there's Resident Evil and, and I'm looking at it. I, I'm thinking about how Resident Evil 2 remake used a lot of its dynamic animation system to create a a thriving, breathing world and how eight is doing a lot of the same thing just in terms of like how its enemies react to say being slammed up against a wall, uh, being shot, being exploded. It, it all just feels like a lot of avenues were explored as far as getting it to feel real. So I started Resident Evil 8, not by playing Resident Evil 8, but like the week before it came out deciding, okay, I should play 7. Because now that I've played to Rebake and I understand that these guys know what they're doing now. Uh, <laughs> Unlike said, before right I'm, I'm sort of like looking back at like six and five and i've been like cautiously avoiding resident evil ever since and 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 two remake got me to think like okay they know what they're doing uh and and i had heard that about seven i didn't play seven until after i beat two remake and was like sure i'll give it a shot and yeah seven was also impeccable it didn't it's on list because resident evil 8 is here but i'm going to use the opportunity to talk about both seven uh explores a a kind of i don't know a, a resident evil original trilogy style puzzle house that you have to unpack and unfurl find keys to go to new areas to do different story bits but it also sort of revels in a kind of horror movie plot thread that just like the scenario you're in keeps getting worse right uh and and i like how despite that it's very driven uh to keep you to keep you rolling i am personally thinking of of moments like uh, and I think you were actually in my stream for this one. Mm-hmm. The the bit where you have to like solve this saw esque puzzle, right? Where um, you're you're looking through the video camera and experiencing another character's point of view, right? Which was really cool. It's just like a framework for how your character, um, um, Ethan Winters, gets gets through uh, uh the the puzzle at at the end, uh. 
I like how the plot ends up kind of meshing with Resident Evil and like Resident Evil's already just kind of a batshit insane plot already. Uh, so the fact that they kind of explored it uh, through an alternate avenue of just like, you know, there's a rival bioweapons company that your wife worked for um, that Umbrella is kind of taking over because the thing you were working on got out of hand. Uh, Chris Redfield shows up at the end to kind of take over and and be like, hey, uh, you guys uh, ruined this whole th- this whole deal. And now it's my jurisdiction. Also, here's a gun. Shoot that giant monster with it. Uh, man, I, I am definitely running in a ton of different directions with this. But the point is, Resident Evil 7 is very good. Uh, buy you horror. A family of monsters. Don't Ethan buy me Winters. horror, please. <laughs> um, Ethan Winters, he's there. He's looking for his wife. He finds her. She's a monster now for various reasons. And uh, you find that, yeah, she was working for that rival bioweapons company. Um, they put basically like a fungus in a little girl um, who, or, or rather she was like born with a fungus in her that, that mutated her and turned her into, into a big monster um, that it did psychosomatic things like it uh, basically mutated the Baker family which are the people who own the house in the bayou, uh, into believing that she was their daughter and they loved her because all she wanted was like a real family. She was raised from a young age to be this weapon and hasn't really known an actual childhood. The By the time you get to eight, Ethan and his wife have settled down, bought a house. Uh, I think they're in Europe. I forget where in Europe, like France or something. Actually, I remember saying exactly uh, it's it's vaguely Europe. Like they don't <laughs> ever get into where exactly, especially because like once you get into the game proper, the four bosses and the four areas are so vastly different and seem to hearken to all sorts of corners of Europe. Like you have a German boss and you have like a Slavic boss and you have a, a, a Transylvanian boss. Um it's it's very odd uh, how many corners of Europe it just tries to pull it all from, and they just call it Europe, I think. Well, I mean, if uh, you look at Resident Evil historically, it's not like they had a great concept of what the United States was like either, right? It's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, here's Sleepy Town in the middle in the either Midwest or Pacific Northwest or wherever. Here's, you know, police station. Here's city. Here's mansion. Uh, it's it's raccoon city but also like you know it's on the outskirts of everything and like you escape the umbrella lab and you're like in a big field that is where is this like there's nothing around for miles it's america it's just corn, right all of of america is just populated by corn it's most of america to be fair uh they they aren't incorrect (laughs) (laughs) yeah it opens up you're with your wife you have a baby Chris Redfield shoots your wife, steals your baby. That boulder punching asshole. That boulder punching asshole is an actual line said by Ethan Winters in this video game. It's it's incredible. Um, Ethan, at, at some point during this, gets knocked out, wakes up in this village, like the title. <gasps> uh, yeah, and there's like monsters crawling all over this village. They're like they're called lichens. Um, they're evocative oh, of werewolf people 
Um, but you know, they're they're the they're the game's typical zombies. And uh, I, he he just goes to town on him I, in the sense that like seven was uh, evoking one two three that kind of maze like dungeon crawly lock and key system. Uh, Resident Evil Eight is more of a Resident Evil Four, which is to say it's about shooting and collecting money for your good shooting and using that money to unlock more things for even better shooting at things um and you've got like but but how anime is it because it's far less anime actually (laughs) you can't have resident you can't evoke resident evil 4 without the anime It, it unfortunately features no suplexing i we're gonna have to wait for the resident evil 4 remake for that to happen um but it it does feature uh, a very large man running a store uh, who seems to be genuinely on your side and keeps showing up at the most convenient times. <laughs> and who is also apparently friends with the uh, Resident Evil 4 merchant shopkeep. Yes. Yes. There's a little Easter egg where you, you'll come up to him and he'll be like, what are you buying? Oh, don't mind that. It's just something a friend would say <laughs> or something like that. He's, it's very cute. It's very uh, fun in how it acknowledges kind of the silliness of the past, but also very steadfastly like trudges in its new direction of very serious new age Resident Evil. And you get four distinct levels. Uh, And when I say distinct, I mean incredibly so. Uh, They are diverse, not just thematically, but mechanically. Um, The first one is very much your stereotypical um, Resident Evil 1, 2, or 3. You do get like a taste of the old dungeon crawly lock and key game. Uh, But then you go from that into a, a, a sort of hallway chasing um tight corridor leaning uh 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 what would, what would you call it like a hedge maze you know it, it's it's less about finding locks and keys and more about just like kind of navigating this very tight slick slimy space uh and then the third dungeon is like an amnesia-esque all of your gear gets taken away and you can no longer shoot and there's an incredibly scary thing after you and it's dark and you have to like hide from it a lot. It is kinder than most of those games tend to be, but at the same time, I found it uniquely terrifying just because it bucked the rest of the game's traditions so heavily. And then finally, uh, just as like kind of a cool off and, and like, you know, slide you right into the game's finale, um, the last dungeon's more of a standard shooting gallery. A um, lot of enemies, but also you get lots of ammo and you just kind of get to go ham on it. And I just found it like never got really tired for those reasons mentioned previously. Um, never felt like any less engaging than I feel it should be. And I just, more to the point, after playing these three, I I just feel like I have to loud as much as possible uh, this team's efforts to make Resident Evil a a must-play series again. And that's kind of the gist. Just that Resident Evil 8 
builds on this new tradition of of incredible craftsmanship and design in terms of how to keep you hooked and that's glorious which is commendable right because i feel like coming out of resident evil 6 and again i don't play much resident evil like the most i've probably played is a little bit of four in its heyday Mm -hmm. but coming out of six i felt like people were very sour on the formula they had established in four five and six uh, along with (laughs) the storytelling in six um and I forget what the span of time was between six and seven. I want to say it was like four or five years. Uh, um, yeah, if not more. Right. And like, I mean, you look at Capcom like a decade ago, right? Or maybe a little bit more. And at that point, they were like, they had, you know, they've had all these story properties. They have Mega Man. They have Street Fighter. They have Resident Evil. They have Monster Hunter. But at that point... I think the only thing people liked was was Street Fighter, right? Like Street Fighter Four was like kind of keeping the lights on both financially and well, maybe not financially, but like that was that is what was garnering the hearts and minds of people was Street mm-hmm. Fighter Four. And then I think they like you know took a long look. I mean, like I know I've heard of stories of like um, there was a lot of like kind of bad middle management at at Capcom Japan in their in their you know headquarters and like some of those folks left and when they left there was a lot of like uh like how can we make these games more modern especially as it applies to monster hunter like and you look at the success of monster hunter world being like their best-selling game now or something like that yeah and i i am sure similar lessons were kind of incorporated into the resident evil team and you see the success with seven and now eight um and now it's like street fighter is now their least successful <laughs> game <Yeah. laughs> comparatively because i feel like well street fighter 5 well i mean like that, that, inter- that that's ignoring the fact that Mega Man is dead and buried but yeah well i mean but they made <laughs> 11 or whichever one it was like oh, that's true a couple but years I, ago i still feel like street fighter probably sells better than that sure but, but what i mean is that like street fighter went from being probably like the most the, high, the highest child. regarded game, right, to like the least regarded game of their current stable of releases. Um, and it's it's funny. It's always funny to see that switch. And I think like Street Fighter Five, from what I heard, because again, I'm not in the fighting game community. I don't play fighting games. Like from what I heard, they, they just made a lot of missteps with like their monetization models and all sorts of stuff with Street Fighter Five. I think like at its core, it's a good fighting game from what I understand they just made a lot of bad choices along the way. Whereas alternatively, they made a lot of good choices with monster hunter and, uh, resident evil. And to a certain extent, mega man with the small amount of time and energy and resources, they deem to give those games. Um, what I'm saying is it's finally time to release mega man legends three. That's what I'm getting at. Yes. I've been (laughs) saying this for years. Uncancel it. Bring it back. Um, only on the three DS. Oh God. Release it what? for the 3DS, still well, no, the or field. not at all. No, I- <laughs> but you look at you know you look at KG Nafune, that that that's the Mega Man guy, right? Yes. Um, you know he leaves and he goes to make Mighty Number no. Nine, and it's a, <laughs> it's a disaster, right? Uh, and you look at, um, look, I know you always correct me on this, but the guy that made Balin Balin Wonder World. Uh, <laughs> I am blanking on him right now. Actually, he was the Sonic guy, right? Right. Okay, and then he so leaves that's Sega. Sega. 
Right, right, right. But I mean, it's I'm I'm drawing a comparison here. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Is that you know the guy that you know these people that made these storied, uh, you know, characters in franchises, and they and they leave and they try to replicate that success and they fail at it. And in the case of like Balan Wonderworld, you know, the Sonic guy, he goes to Square Enix. He's like, hey, give me a bunch of money and I'll give you a really shitty 3D platformer in exchange. Um, and there's there's something to be said in that. You know, and the and um, uh, who's the RE four guy that everyone really likes? Um, oh Lord! But he's he's now, you know, at Bethesda. You know, he did the Evil Within, and now they're doing Ghostwire Tokyo, and he's doing well. Like, I mean, so that's kind of like the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, I, I that, was also thinking of of Clover leaving Capcom and forming Platinum uh right and and doing quite well for themselves but that was that was earlier so like i feel like that's under a little different circumstances but you see these very definitely not the same exact situation because clover was like sort of independent then like partnered with capcom for lots of things um then ended their contract with capcom early so they couldn't use clover anymore um forged platinum uh but like lost half of their crew in the process that, that one's certainly a little right. weirder but my um, ultimate point here is that you see a lot of story devs that might have lost something along the way i i, I don't know how to quantify it but like mm-hmm. the fact that capcom as a developer has been able to breathe new life into all of its franchises or most of its franchises um and kind of on the heels of a lot of auteurs uh leaving and also like losing some poor management, uh, whether attached to them or not attached to these auteurs along the way, I think has greatly benefited them. Um, and you kind of see that across the Japanese developer space. But I mean, all this to say, I'm 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 happy people really like Resident Evil is. I would love to check them out. I don't know if I'd be able to uh, withstand. <laughs> these games um i've heard I think you should at least play two remake uh, yeah that one's not too bad um uh, it's it's scares are you know based on its oldest iteration and are less you know jumpy startly and and a little more like you know uh um dreading and and again like as i've talked in you know last year when that made the top of my list uh it, it really works towards like a mechanical edge as well um and i think this one in particular also would be a good fit outside of that one level um this this game resident evil 8 does particularly feel like a solid action game with a horror wrapper um much like resident evil 4 did uh and yeah i i I wanted to touch for a second on like what you said about the developers because i've seen footage uh behind the scenes there's been like ample behind the scenes footage here which i think is cool it's actually like bundled in with the games and something you can unlock is like scenes of them working on uh the mocap and the cut scenes of the game and it definitely it, it reads with a lot of passion uh just as the one example i'm going to go with in resident evil 7 there's a very famous scene towards the beginning of the game where you're like strapped to a chair while the bakers are having a family dinner around you and and what they're eating's gross and their behavior is just awkward and traumatic and and like it's supposed to evoke the horror like the everyday horror of like being stuck uh, at a dinner table that like you you don't want to be a part of you know you don't like these people 
Um, they're being callous. They're being yeah. crude. No, I was at Thanksgiving. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone's had this scenario somehow or another. You've either, like, you know, slept over at a friend's house and, like, his parents start arguing at the dinner table or, or like, you know, you've had dinner with in-laws that went horribly wrong. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of a universal experience. And the fact that, like, that's what they admittedly were tapping into, they were trying to go for something more like that than something more outwardly, like, you know, ah, zombies and, like, the fact that it is a table read where they're also like acting out all the actions it's like a couple of the developers with some of the writers not even any of the actors who were going to do it but like to make sure that it would read right and and feel just eerie um like it's it's footage of them sitting down at a table with like the scripts and like some some mock food that they're like playing with and they're acting out the scene together it, it, it just reads very passionately and you can tell they're they're trying their darndest to make the series um something worthwhile again yeah um i don't know how much you want to talk about the story i'm i'm kind of curious about it um just because again i don't know if i'll i'll ever play it but i do have a couple of questions at the very least sure um so we kind of mentioned how chris shows up at the end of the first game as kind of a umbrella agent yes do they ever address that any further not really okay is is chris a major factor in eight at all he more so than seven yeah Um, okay seven his his appearance is brief and at the very end eight is uh sort of touch and go throughout um he is of course at the intro as i mentioned he also chimes in once in a while throughout the regular gameplay um you find hints of his team having been through the village at points uh and then at the end he plays a a pretty huge role actually there's even that to give too much away but there's a section where you play as him um we had that dlc from seven where you played as him so oh right yeah so you might be familiar with that uh he gets a cool set of toys and you get to to take him for a spin through the village. Uh, yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of in a way uh, it, it's, it's funny. This is, this is not a unique uh, trick in their bag. Seven also has a section where you play as Ethan's wife, who I, I've been not able to recall her name throughout this whole thing. But um uh that that is a thing that they do you know just just to provide more variety um seven has this section where you're like recalling what happened to her before this whole incident started and you get to to play with some of her toys and go through a a whole level sort of design for her kit uh apparently her name is mia right it's mia that's it's mia (laughs) cool um is the is the story satisfying it at all or are you just kind of like going through the motions narratively to so yeah I, I think so um i wasn't sure how much i should spoil um i suppose i should just sort of touch a little bit on it but um, i don't care you could say however much or little as you want it relates to seven far deeper than i thought i than i thought it would um throughout the whole game you're aware of a big bad um which is you know there's like these four robot masters is what i was calling them as a joke (laughs) Uh um but there's like you know someone behind all four of them and it's this this god-like figure goddess like i should say of named mother miranda 
um, and you see her very briefly at the beginning of the game, and then you don't really see her again until the very end. Um, but uh, she's referenced a lot. Um, people in the village before they turned into these these wolf people seemed to worship her. Uh, the four robot masters are always talking about her. They're always like, you know, what's my standing with Mother Miranda? Um, you know, they're 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 her four generals, and they are like you know, constantly trying to keep her appeased. Uh, you eventually reach a point at, you know, very end of the game, basically after the four dungeons and you're like reaching the climax uh, where you get to explore her lab and you find that she's not really so much a religious figure as much as she is like a researcher who has gone particularly bad um for reasons that'll become apparent she was experimenting on the village turning them into lichens um she was sort of using her research to cure their diseases but also to find new bioweapons uh and things got out of hand uh her four generals are four of her experiments basically um people grafted uh, granted powers uh, through her experimentation, uh, through her research. Uh, so, like, Dimitrisk is, you know, the internet's favorite big, tall lady. Um, was granted, like, vampire-esque powers. Um, Heisenberg was given, like, control over metal. Um, the doll lady can, like, create illusions and and, and stuff. Uh, there's There's a whole lot going on and and you you find all of this research and you get to read all of these these notes of hers that kind of go into how like oh these guys were all created and they all serve her um anyway uh the do you remember the bioweapon i mentioned from 7 the child who was like whisked away to be like turned into um that was mother miranda's child um that was her literal baby that she was experimenting on that the rival company to Umbrella uh, whisked away um, in order to, well, you can sort of get the sense that Mia and and Co, uh, as she worked for them, were trying to save her, but also the company was like also going to just use her um, for for the bioweapon that she is. Uh, so Mother Miranda's kind of pissed at you the reason Chris kills your wife and steals your baby is because that wasn't your wife. It was an illusion of your wife created by mother Miranda and her henchmen. Uh, and your baby, because your wife and you both contain the fungal powers that occurred in resident evil seven from the child that they were, uh, uh, that they were, you were trying to rescue essentially. Um, your baby is like the perfect bioweapon mm. and Mother Miranda wants it. Uh, and so it actually wraps up really nicely and I'm not entirely sure where they're going next, although there was like a post-credits cutscene that showed that your baby is all grown up. Um, she has been under the care of Umbrella and things are going to happen with that, I guess. Yeah, I mean... Resident Evil's always come in packs of three, so I right. assume this is a just another trilogy in their but, ongoing but franchise. Even, but uh, uh, there is a pretty shocking twist, so spoiler warning here, 
if you want to play Resident Evil 8. A twist. That Ethan Winters has been dead this whole time. Uh. And it's not like a Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time. Like, he's been walking around. He's been a physical being. But it's the it's the fungus, right? The fungus oh. is like a psychosomatic hive mind uh, that reanimates bodies and and sort of keeps their consciousness alive. It did that for the bakers. It's now doing it to Ethan. Um, e- Ethan, basically from the moment Ethan like got shoved down a pit at the very beginning of Resident Evil Seven, he's been a dead. He's been a corpse walking. The fungus infected him and has been keeping him running for like the past eight years. Uh, yeah. Um, and so you find that out. He's basically, he takes one too many beatings throughout seven or, or throughout eight rather. And finally like wakes up in sort of like a lucid dream where the girl from seven is talking to him and like trying to explain to him, you know, like, you know, how do you think a guy like you can take such a rough time? Why do you think, you know, you can just like reattach your hand and, and pour some green juice over it and, and be fine. You, you don't think like a normal person can do that. Do you, <laughs> which and he, is and great. Ethan's like you, you obviously don't understand the power of green herbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's again, like Resident Evil poking fun at itself, but also like, you know, very clearly spearheading in, in this darker, grittier direction in, in a fun, but also, uh, sincere way and i i found it quite compelling i i i genuinely loved that moment it felt so cool to feel like oh my god he's been dead he's just been full of fungus this whole time like like he's (laughs) he's still been ethan he's still been conscious he's had his memories he's been experiencing ethan's life but he's been a corpse that's just like kept alive by this fungus. <laughs> so do like Chris and other people like are they do they know that? Are they acknowledging that? Are they purposely like hiding that from him or Chris has uh some sense to it. Um he's like he is aware of it to the f- to the effect that like he knows that you're a target and he knows that your baby's a target and your wife's a target. Um and he's like I think at the end it's sort of revealed that he's been keeping an eye on you guys, but he hasn't exactly moved on anything because it hasn't been a huge problem yet. You guys are just trying to live a simple life. He's like, I'm going to let him uh, until again, I, I mean, and, until it just goes up in smoke. Interesting. Interesting. It creates a a more concise Resident Evil narrative than it ever has been before, which I think I like. Uh, I don't think. I really do like. I think this is far better than most Resident Evils have been. Uh, yeah, and, and it's just fun. Like, again, it, it pokes fun at itself, but it also makes sure that it doesn't do it in a way that kind of upsets this newfound balance, this newfound trajectory. That's cool. Yeah. I might watch like a super cut of all the cutscenes now that you've <laughs> talked to me about it just so I can grok what it's doing. Stay up to date on your Resident Evil lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Plum plum a Wikipedia. I won't I'm not too proud to admit I might have gone deep down a wiki hole on 
games like Resident Evil that I know it's like, I'm not going to play all these. <laughs> Might as well read up on them. I, I think deciding from like the get-go with Seven that it wasn't going to be about the original cast of characters. They were going to try like a completely different approach with with real people that are like sort of more grounded uh, is is good. A very good thing. I think that's maybe my biggest gripe with this new trilogy they're doing, this new take on Resident Evil, is that it does in some ways feel like they want to have their cake and eat it too. Like they want, like, it's like, okay, we're going to try to divorce ourselves from the previous six Resident Evils, but not too much because it's still seven and eight. So, like, here's Chris Redfield or whatever to, like, kind of... You'd rather they just call it, like, Resident Evil Prime 1. I I mean, I don't care what they call it. start over. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I would prefer a clean cut just because, like, it... There is a schism in my brain when I look at something like Resident Evil 6 and then something like Resident Evil 7 and trying to... They're very, very different games. Yeah, totally trying to kind of kind of uh uh make peace that those are both in the same universe is i don't know it's a little frustrating because i i think like i understand like business reasons to make those decisions but i think that's also why i kind of hate it it's like oh well we can't make it its own new thing because like maybe longtime fans will like be like ah they stopped caring about leon and chris and jill and blah 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 blah. but they Um, can't stop caring about leon chris and jill yeah, exactly. I've known those and like guys forever. Be, but but like <laughs> you look at all the winding twists and turns like the offshoot. You look, you look at like Code Veronica or like the Revelation games or whatever whatever and it's just like it's always and those are games. I mean, I I guess those games are also kind of like I feel like Revelations was like a prototype for what 2 remake became, right? Like I felt like they kind of like modernized a lot of stuff that was established in 4 tested it with revelations one and two and then use that as a foundation for the one two and three remakes and and Um, that's why you know myself included i I think revelations was probably the first hint that they were starting to to understand what made resident evil good and go back to it right to the drawing board with that in mind rather but and i also but i i guess i guess those entries are fine but i think if you kind of stretch it out even further it's like the there's like a squad based one where it's like you're oh, like mercenaries. Is that what it was called? It was like, I thought it was Thank. like I think it was like Umbrella Corps or something. Oh no, no, you're right. Because mercenaries is the mini game that's in most of their entries. Uh, that got a spinoff standalone right. at one point, but yeah, we don't really talk about that one as much. <laughs> right. It's the, I feel like they 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 for a long time they kept stretching re- out Resident Evil and what it was supposed to be more and more and it's like Umbrella Core felt like the Metal Gear Survive of the Resident Evil universe, right? It's like how can we how can we make Resident Evil an Ur franchise and make it apply to all sorts of things and then to do this like very kind of rubber band snap violently back to something that's much more grounded and gritty and horror based like Resident Evil 7 and 8 it's just like it i don't know there's something there that that really bothers me that like and 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 ultimately that's not that big of a deal it's just like 
you could have really kind of solidified this as its own thing and been like kind of like a new even more so a new watershed moment not just in terms of like game design and that but also in like product design like making its own holistic thing by like just like saying it's not seven it is resident evil biohazard no hidden seven in the title it's just its own it's a it's a new it's a whole new starting over right um but again that's not that big of a deal yeah i i think i would be of the same opinion had i not played them frankly uh because now i'm 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 all in on it <laughs> they like, got this you is, this is this is done so well that i i couldn't care anymore <laughs> this is now this is the excuse for them to go back to uh resident evil 6 and make a super anime game in resident evil 9 and you know if they do and it's the same quality and like the same level of like punching up uh i will be there gotta punch up those boulders gotta punch <laughs> we don't punch down on small rocks we punch up on boulders <laughs> yeah yeah the one percent boulders exactly all right i feel like that's enough resident evil talk it probably is sounds great sounds great let's talk about something almost fully in the opposite direction <laughs> uh a game that i really enjoyed earlier this year um because the only games we talked about on this podcast were earlier this year since we took a huge hiatus um and we'll continue to do so after we do all this end of the year stuff uh <laughs> adios a game made by a small crew of people doc burford who mm-hmm. we've mentioned here and there on the podcast um i know uh Zelvier nelson did some production on it um and he's worked on a bunch of different things a lot of cool names attached to this project frankly i apologize i don't know many of the other ones off the top of my head um but it's a game very small kind of intimate game about being a farmer that works with the mob to dispose of bodies that are the victims of hits by the mob so these mobsters kind of come to your come to your farmstead and they deliver kind of the the chopped up portions of um people they've taken out and you feed them to pigs and the game starts with you kind of going up to your mob contact who is delivering all the parts all the you know the dead bodies and confronting him with the news that you are no longer going to do this you are out of you're out of the game and in doing so you are kind of inevitably setting up the fact that like you know if you if there's one thing you need to know about the mafia no one leaves you know you're you're in it for life so you know all the mafia movies i've seen are all about that yeah um, so if you leave the mafia, you're leaving your life. You are willingly ending your life prematurely. So the game is really just kind of like this, uh, kind of intimate conversation between these two colleagues that have like slowly over time became friends through the dirty work they did together and the mobster kind of trying to convince the farmer to, uh, change his mind because he knows if the farmer goes with what he's planning, he's going to get killed. Um, there's going to be a hit put out on him and he's ultimately going to lose his life. And the farmer is kind of thinking, 
much more kind of philos- he he's thinking larger than that he's thinking uh about where his life's gone um there's a lot of backstory of his uh family kind of being broken up i i can't remember if his i believe his wife left him or passed away i mean the whole point of him kind of getting into this business and this agreement with the mafia is so that he could pay some bills that he he previously couldn't afford he also has a strange relationship uh with his son that kind of like plays into like the final act of the game and but before you get to that uh you're kind of just walking around your farmstead and doing odd jobs that you know tending to the farm as you would need to do and uh kind of having your friend and associate kind of have conversations with you as you're doing stuff you know you're milking the goats you're kind of shoveling manure and moving it around the farm you're kind of inspecting this old uh car this old like sports car you have um that you like kind of work on on and off and you're like talking about car mechanics and stuff with him and doing all this stuff and then ultimately uh you you go fishing at some point and then he's like are you sure you want to you know are you sure you want to do what you're going to do and you know there's there's really no way to I, I don't recall if there's a way to like kind of push yourself off that track and i mentioned when i first talked about the game is that the game is very good at kind of doing the depression quest style dialogue choices where it's like you have choices available to you that you actually can't select and when you attempt to select them the character refuses to make that dialogue choice mm. um so ultimately there's like you know they're all mapped to uh, the D-pad, and when you select some, he'll just kind of like grunt to be like, hmm, and not do that. And maybe there'll only be like one or two that you can actually go with, and the others will be like crossed out. Um, and that plays out really well with this. Uh, you can make a bunch of decisions after the mobster left. He's like, all right, I'm leaving, and you have like a couple of hours to like get your affairs in order. And so then you're kind of walking around your farm by yourself. There is a uh, kind of tree, an old tree that you walk up to. And at the base of the tree, there is a, a grave for your dog that had passed away like a year or so prior. And you kind of have this conversation with your uh, deceased dog at his grave site and talking about stuff and like, you know, how you're kind of like, you know, I'm sick of this life. I'm you know, my life hasn't gone the way I wanted it to. I'm just kind of like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm done with all of this. You can choose to try to call your son. Um, your son doesn't answer the phone. Uh, and so you choose to like leave a message for him. And there's a lot of choices where it's like, I'm sorry, like everything I did, uh, like that's, kind of that ruined our family and whatnot and that like dialogue choice like runs off the side of the screen because it's so long it's just just kind of like the stream of consciousness apology and when you go mm. to click that one uh it he just goes huh and he like he, he can't say it he can't say it so he just says kind of some platitudes and hangs up the phone or whatever and then ultimately the um your associate comes back into the house and shoots you. And like, that's the end of the game. Um, and I think it's really well done. I think I really like the storytelling in this. Um, I think the production value leaves a lot to be desired. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, just because mm. the uh, you know the, there's only one character in the game that you can see, and it's this 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 mobster, and his and every, everything um, has kind of like a kind of exaggerated cartoonish. You know, it's it's a it's a non photorealistic type game. Um, even like ignoring like photogrammetry, like even the models are like kind of more exaggerated, kind of like a um, like a telltale style, uh, right. kind of like modeling quality to them. But in almost a animation, telltale animation <laughs> style quality to them, because it's a lot of like uh, very uh, uh, limited rigged, you know, limited bone animation where it's like when the mobster talks, it's just kind of like. A little bit like a Muppet, but not stylized like a Muppet, <laughs> like something like Bug Snacks is just kind of like, ah, ah, ma, 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 just kind of like open to a certain width, closed, open to a certain width again, closed. Um, there's a horse in the game. I think I mentioned this before. It's the most horrifying looking horse I've ever seen. It has these big, bulging, insect like black eyes, and it's well, just I, terrible. I, I, I... My my one familiarity with this game is through the cult of personality that is Doc Buford, uh, and he's got two recurring jokes if you follow that man's Twitter, um, and one of them is complaining about shotguns and video games, and the other one is not necessarily complaining but like reviewing shotguns and video games he he praises some shotguns and he bashes others it's it's a whole thing with him and the other thing is that uh horses are like his nightmare um and my understanding is this shines in this game in two specific areas uh, one the horse in this game is a literal nightmare uh and two there's a chapter called the shotgun <laughs> yes there is a shotgun in the final act where you like you pull it off the mantle or whatever, or maybe you get it out of the basement and you load it and then you just leave it on the kind of dining room table and just sit there and wait for the mobster to come kill you. Um, and it's not like you don't, you don't fire the shotgun at all. Um, but it's interesting that he said that horses are his nightmare because now they are my nightmare <laughs> looking at this horse. Um, he doesn't like yeah. horses. Horses are scary to Mr. Well, Doc. The so yeah so I really like the game I think it's I think it's a well crafted game I wish it was it had a little bit more polish but I'm sympathetic to the fact that you know all games are uh you, you know you have to work with the the budget and time and energy that you have all so, games are queens Dylan all games are queens yeah <laughs> what. <laughs> Oh, you're not familiar with the like all women are queens meme. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I thought I thought it was something like that, but my brain didn't latch on. Okay, um, it's just one of those games. I struggle to compare it to something like The Last of Us because I know how much Doc Burford. I want to clarify: it's Burford, not Buford. Um, how much he particularly hates that game, um, <laughs> but it it has a very to me. A very similar, um, a similarly evocative storytelling to it, um, where like a lot of the story carries the game. And I know, la- you know, The Last of Us is something that like it's you know production values up the wazoo, and it's like you know 
incomparable in a lot of ways but i think the 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 power and the quality of the storytelling in both of these games carries the production farther than what it could be and i mean like if the story in this game was bad it would just be a straight up bad game whereas like if the story was bad in last of us like there would be people that could excuse it because they're still stealth and gunplay and whatever right um but i don't know it's very emotional i think it's it's partially driven by the writing obviously but the voice acting as well i think does a good job like the farmer you know has that very kind of stereotypical like clint eastwood directed film you know very grizzled kind of like world weary uh heartland america is it fully voice acted uh, i mean there's only two characters so yeah and then the rest are just like barks from the the animals um there might be a voice for the son for like the 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 voicemail on the phone or something but that's only like a handful of lines right but i i i wouldn't have actually expected that well cool I, you would know. need it i think i honestly think you would need it in this game because if the game were just um printed dialogue on the screen i don't think it would be as powerful to me and I know that that's also like a huge production consideration, right? Because like voice actors aren't cheap. It's not cheap to incorporate that into your game. So a lot of in- indie games, especially indie games that are story based, find other ways to get around that. Like I think like Undertale and Deltarune, their stories are still just as powerful, even though they don't have voice acting and voice acting in those games might kind of ruin it. But it's they're completely different because they're evoking a certain style, like, you know, a retro aesthetic i was also thinking when you were saying like you absolutely need voice acting for a game like this i was like you know i wonder how lots of other games sort of get their emotion across through just text and what immediately came to mind was how undertale will like shake the text box or make specific characters a whole lot bigger or a whole lot smaller or different colors to kind of uh, or just the chirping in that game like evokes so much character on its own like sans versus papyrus versus anyone else like uh, 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 like you can (laughs) you can infer so much of sans's character just from the way his dialogue chirps alone you can um you you had a really good impression there uh, uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and, and like even like you know the the speed at which it comes out because like you know if if someone's like really putting emphasis on each word and pausing it you know the words will come out like one beat at a time yeah. and that you know it's it's I don't know that that was a tangent that I had but I was just wondering like oh well you know when you put it that way I wonder how games do it without voice acting a lot I was like oh well. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, so many small little changes would make other games not need it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there are plenty of walking sims that don't have voice acting. You know, you think of something like um, uh, White Ocean Big Jacket, right? Like, I think the story in that game is is great and is well communicated and it doesn't... It it has similar Undertale-style, like, chirping to it. And it also has, like, a lot of other, like, cut corners to, like reduce the the production costs of it like you know there's no animation in that game during cutscenes, right because it cuts to black right. and just shows the you know it's it's very like old black and white movie style just show the text on the screen um so it's more so that 
the voice acting is necessary for the particular style of story and the method in which they communicate that story in this game. If they were to make other different choices or to tell the story just in a slightly different way, I feel like they could have gotten away with no voice acting. But in this particular style, in this very much more traditional walking sim style, you know, your what remains of Edith Finch or your fire watches or what have you or your dear Esther's like it kind of you kind of need the voice acting to to carry the weight of that story. Sure. Um, But yeah, the only thing that kind of holds this game down in my mind a little bit is one kind of the, the the rough edges of the production value like the ui folks we just we really need to get away from these like stock kind of button prompts like if i see this default unreal a button again in a game i'm gonna fucking <laughs> lose my mind like it's i'm not trying to minimize like the the time and energy and money it takes to like spruce up these corners and i'm also not trying to minimize like ui designers but man just like make a white circle with an a in it and just change the font like (laughs) i'm not asking for a lot here do you ever wonder if this is like a thing that is strictly uh something we deal with as people familiar with game dev oh absolutely (laughs) <laughs> um i mean i'm sure other people like i mean i make a, i make a fucking huge deal about this shit um with like among us too right like right like, like specifically that was what i was thinking of like oh man is he gonna complain about the default unity font again yeah. <laughs> i wasn't going to until you made a point that isn't this a game dev thing to point this shit out <laughs> but yeah I, th- I think they've changed that stuff up a little bit and i know like justine raymond they had contracted a while back to like do some ui design for among us and i think that's been incorporated now i haven't i haven't taken a look in that game in a while it, it is particularly amazing what a new font will do it's, it does so much it breathes so much life into a game um and yeah i mean i mean i'm i'm sympathetic to it maybe like that was just a thing that got cut because time is of the essence understandable understandable that's one thing the production these small little kind of production value things that's just kind of like one in the con column for me but yeah no i think ultimately i really like this game i think it's definitely worth people's time i mean if you're listening to this whole spiel i just gave maybe you're less inclined to play it because i just spoiled everything uh spoiler warning i say after the fact um (laughs) i would hope you have spoiler warning somewhere in the description of this podcast still they're in they're in the chapters all the chapter bookmarks for each Mm -hmm. for each episode but yeah i uh really like this game it's a good story yeah probably my favorite story this this year in terms of games i played i mean there's a lot of games that i'm still working through uh you know like i said before i'm working through the artful scape um i might end up really liking that story i'm working through psychonauts 2 i hear a lot of people saying really good things about it yeah adios adios Adios, adios. Do you want to talk about Pokemon Snap? Sure, why not? Because this is one we both played. Yeah, what'd you think of Pokemon Snap? I liked it. I didn't like it enough to put it on my list, but I liked it. It's hard not to like Pokemon Snap. I. It's just a, a great concept and um, solid execution. And uh, I mean... 
it, it's Pokemon, but you don't really have to worry about any sort of like deep seated RPG mechanics. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, will it like rekindle ages of nostalgia? Um, like, what if Pokemon was just like something you could throw on in an afternoon and, and just take some pictures, man? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the progression is a slog. And not to say like in in a Halo Infinite kind of sense, but more of just like a like a. It took me what six levels to get out of this first area, like like seven, eight, or it's a lot. You have to do a lot of different missions to get out of this first freaking track that they have you I on. I mean, I kind of like it though because it makes you kind of appreciate each level more because like the first pokemon snap you can beat in like 45 minutes like that is not a long game and you can beat it but you won't like see everything sure but the point is to like go back with new tools and new knowledge right but that's why this game makes a point of that by making you run through the course multiple times right i i sort of feel like i missed the mystery and and i sort of wish i had new things to try more immediately like it's still doing that pokemon thing of of not wanting to let go of my hand and Hmm. and let me be free and and again like i liked this game i i did i said not enough to put it on my list this year but i i enjoyed what i spent with it i think that the kind of the lack of mystery and it's not like an, an an entire lack of mystery but like the smaller amount of mystery in this game compared to the original is counterbalanced by i think the perfectionism that kind of uh is derived from trying to get the perfect shot because like to me i don't really want to because again this kind of goes back to the fucking like you know timed loop sequence of your outer wild you 12 minutes and whatever whatever like i don't want to have to constantly go through a trial and error of like okay what if i throw an apple over here what if i throw an apple over there what if i throw an apple over here what if i throw the lumia ball over here or throw this over here um and like because you know you get like a chance or a handful of chances to like get any certain thing and you're done um like there's like a bunch of different challenges like one of the challenges i think in like the nighttime uh version of the first level or the second level or something there's like a steerling and the steerling starts at the beginning of the level and if you throw lumia balls at all like the little gloomy glowy not gloomy all the glowy uh plants um in sequence you kind of lead him through the course to uh it's it's whatever the evolved form is and it's like their parent or whatever right um and that's like part of that discovery is like you can do that but if you fuck mm-hmm. up any of that sequence it's like okay well that's that's over like i can't do that again but then you can just turn around and be like all right well then i'm gonna focus on photos for the rest of the the course instead of doing that thing um but it also like you can do like a contextual scan that i think kind of leads you to like why don't you try throwing a lumia ball over here and see what it happens right. and i like that a lot more than it having kind of no contextual tips and me having to fucking pixel hunt everywhere in the map and just like kind of brute force everything. It's just like, I got to touch everything in this map to see what happens. Cause I don't want to do that. I like the point of the game is to take pictures and I want to take the best pictures 
and I want I want the game to guide me at least a little bit to be like, okay, mm-hmm. you want to see like a new thing? Maybe mess with the thing over here. Maybe mess with the thing over here. I was like, oh, there's something over here, but not at this time of day. Um, I don't think that removes the mystery entirely. I think it just kind of like shifts the priorities of the game to the picture taking, which is right. the point of the game because the game is called Pokemon Snap. And and, and yeah, I, I get that. That's a good point. I, I think I just like had taken like by the time I had done like five run throughs of this first level, I had taken three really, really good pictures of, I don't know, either Hoot Hoot or, or Boo for Magikarp or something. And and like the game, you know, at the end, like scores them all and asks you like, you know, which one do you want to keep in your album is like your dedicated to this Pokemon picture. And at that point, I was kind of like, I don't know. They're all good. Can I take new pictures now? Can I see new Pokemon? <laughs> like, No. I was, need a diamond four-star Hoot Hoot, and you're going to bring it to me. <laughs> I definitely Let's, had like a diamond four-star of something, and I was like, I, I'm, I've done. I've, I've taken the best picture I possibly can here. Can I move on? <laughs> and and it, I'm like, no, more tutorials, actually. Like, okay. I think well, up until you get to, like, what, the giant Lilligant, uh, mm. which is sort of the crux of this game, is is there's now, like, giant Pokemon that are glowing, uh, is, is where the plot is going. Am I right? Uh, I never beat this game, because I borrowed this from mr nick nundall this, this so. is within the first five or six levels is it a lily okay i don't remember the lilligan i remember the meganium that's it meganium okay yeah um sorry i was remembering like a plant pokemon and yeah all these names floating through my head because that's what pokemon is now it's like a bunch of assorted <laughs> yeah, words yeah it's word um, soup that you just pluck one out and like i hope <laughs> this is the right pokemon i'm talking about but they're not right. big they're just they're just shiny they they're not shiny they're glowing because shiny has its own huge. fucking connotation. No, Meganium is that Meganium. size. No, Meganium is that size. Meganium's not that size. Mega- okay. I'm gonna Meganium's Google. head comes up to like your shoulders. I said, I was going to say, I'm going to Google Meganium height, but because I didn't get that word out, I instead typed into Google the word Google. Meganium height. Meganium height. Meganium is five foot eleven inches. Yeah. Okay. It's a giant Meganium. <laughs> okay. But that Milotic looked like the correct size. Was the Milotic huge too? I I think Milotic's also kind of like about as big as a person. Um, when coiled up, if if extended, definitely a whole lot taller. But like at rest, Meganium is not. Sorry, Milotic is not. Uh. Uh, uh, massive. Is a is a Milotic at rest equivalent to a Milotic in motion? <laughs> uh, so I think that particular Milotic. If uh, yeah, I did see this. Um, sorry, it's been so long since I last picked up this game. Uh, is definitely huge. I I think this this it makes them big. I think it's even mentioned that like oh geez whatever this energy is is making them huge. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, irregardlessly, it's a good game. <laughs> I I really enjoy it. I mean, I didn't. I don't have a lot of attachment 
to the original Pokemon Snap because I didn't have an N64. I have like kind of, uh, uh, I have like a contact high of nostalgia for Pokemon Snap because so many other people my age really, really like that game. And I, w- I wanted to see what all the fuss is about. And I think this game is really good. I think there's something very rhythmic and soothing to replaying these levels over and over. And I think ultimately it has way more content than the original Pokemon snap. Like, yes, you can replay the original Pokemon snap tracks and like find all the hidden discoveries. And I think it like ultimately rewards you with that Mew level in the sky. But in this, it's like pretty short, but yeah, it's like we have all these different regions and like they have like what, like four or five regions. And in each region, there's like three or so tracks or maybe maybe that's that's too much but there's like a handful of tracks and then each track can be done at different times of day um so it kind of like multiplicatively allows for much more for you to experience because only certain pokemon come out at night and some pokemon come out during the day and i really like that and i think like the grading system even when it's being brutally unfair is still fun to like figure out and try to do the best stuff with it's like oh i'm just gonna snap a bunch of photos it's like oh i'm getting these bronzes i'm getting these bronzes it's like i'm sick of getting bronzes and then you like slowly it's like okay what does the game and and i knew this was a big complaint with the game yeah Uh, that whole thing where like you know like wow i followed the rule of thirds and like you know the the contrast between the pokemon's head and like you know the flowers behind it is is something beautiful and like this photo is a work of art and the yeah. game's like ah you didn't get their whole body in the shot and they're not looking at the camera two stars <laughs> and i'm like well like and then like i don't know you get one of just like a bit of head on so all you see is its face <laughs> and and it's like zoomed in so it's taking up the whole frame and the game and the, yeah the game is that that the political cartoon satire of the sickos outside the window like <laughs> four stars that's <laughs> what i want give me i want the big badoof <laughs> i want this big badoof face i want it to fill the frame <laughs> that doesn't bother me because like it would be nigh impossible unless you're like using like a fucking neural net or some sort of like ai driven like concepts to like figure out the artistic value of these photos to like sure. grade it on a scale where like you know the the human concept of artistry comes into play i mean i'm fine with like okay make the pokemon big make it look at the camera make it do a funny pose yeah like i'm it's, fine with that it, it's far easier to create metrics for that than it is for like the human concept of aesthetic yeah um, but you can still take those photos and save them. And it's like, oh, here's this really nice. Like I had this really nice photo where it was like it was an executor like sitting on a beach and there was a wingle kind of like swooping out of the sky. And it was like beautifully composed. And it's like, I know this isn't going to be rated for shit within the game, but I like this photo. So who cares? Now time to take it to Blockbuster and get it printed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, simpler times. Yeah. So. Oh, Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap. It's, my, it's, my, it's a snap. Oh, man. You really had to do that. It's really really brought it home, didn't you? Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Was this what the Switch like sound effect was made for? Mm-hmm. They were just like, 
Oh, this is get people thinking about Pokemon Snap. It'd be a perfect time to strike. It'll bring it home, introducing here's Pokemon Home. Store all your Pokemon. <laughs> Give us money. I, I I I have to I have to share my one like tangential Pokemon Snap memory was being in first grade and talking with friends about how much I was enjoying Pokemon Snap on the Nintendo sixty four, and and being told by one of them like you like Pokemon Snap. All you do is take pictures and just not knowing what to do with that <laughs> in terms of just like a um, yes or or like a why. Yeah. I hope, I hope that fucking kid's in jail right now. <laughs> That's why I think. It's like, it's like, oh, wow. How do I even start with you, man? Like, that, was a, that was a joyless child. Yeah, really? <laughs> What, you're I'm not sorry, shooting it doesn't or have fighting enough anything. guns in it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, man, I think that is what Pokemon Snap needs, though. Is is, is a gun? You it's, know, it's, it's like, the kid. He brings the camera up, and then just like a rifle barrel just comes out of the lens <laughs> and just shoots the machoke. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, knowing how much this joy this conversation has brought us, I I now see that Pokemon Snap definitely deserves a spot on this list. 10 out of 10 game. Yeah. Uh, it's full of, full of good jokes, full of um, apples you can just conk Pokemon up the side of the head with. Um, I like how this time they've made it very specific that these, these were not apples, okay? They're fluff mm-hmm. fruits. They're Please. very light. They don't hurt when you throw them at a Pokemon, and it's like, okay, so I could just like keep chucking them at a Pokemon forever. Like, how many of these until brain damage happens? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta bring Will Smith in here to talk about <laughs> concussions. Um, oh, <laughs> also, probably can't acknowledge apples anymore now that there is a living apple Pokemon. Oh. that probably gets awkward. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's there's an apple pie Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yep. Well, does 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 his Pokédex say like disguised as a fluff fruit? <laughs> no, I think it's literally called the Apple Pokémon. Oh my god. Let's see, Flapple. <laughs> it is called Flapple. It's called god Flapple Pokémon. It is. Oh, it's a Grass and Dragon type. Uh, Flapple, the Apple Wing Pokémon. Wow. Why is it got like a bug eye? This like this this Pokémon is high as fuck. <laughs> Look at this Pokemon. This this Flapple is bugging out. I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. You know this 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 this, this Flapple ate like a bad mushroom or something. It's it's not having a good time. Have you seen this Gigamax version? Uh, yes. Because it this... is it is also similarly like conked <laughs> oh, out yeah. of its mind. Yeah, it's like filled with applesauce. What is a or caramel? I don't know, man. The Pokemon that are food are weird because, like, yeah. what is it? It's yeah. got to be like naturally secreted, so it can't be like uh, unless it is edible. I try so hard not to be a fucking like boomer curmudgeon about the new Pokemon designs, but it gets real hard <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes, like with with like fucking Poltegeist. Like it's okay, it's, but I love Poltegeist. It's it's cute, but it's also like ah, it's fucking like. <laughs> It's just I just imagine the Pokemon designers like in Japan just like taking they 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 have like magnets of all the different types and they just rip two off of their 
dry erase board and they like slap them together and they're like i don't water and ghost how do what do we what do we what are we thinking about this and someone's like tea it's like great tea all right how does that work why would there be a ghost tea it's like and you know it haunts a, a teapot and do you drink it does it well i will say uh that is to me seems like a far better process than what if they were like uh how about a grass type and that some guy in the back of the room is like a bunch of eggs <laughs> And they all have faces. Hey, execute <laughs> S-tier Pokemon design. I, I don't know what you're I, fucking I, talking about. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's much better than... I'm just clicking randomly here in Bulbapia. It's much better than fucking Sandaconda. Look at this asshole. I, it, Sandaconda's cool, all right? He's a, Sandaconda he's a spiral. Stupid as shit. <laughs> Cramorant, though, he's cool. Yeah, Cramorant's cool. I think we're on the same exact page here, and we're just scrolling through the same links here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, there, there's there's always going to be good Pokemon. There's always going to be bad Pokemon. My it's point true. is, Execute sucks shit, all right? Wow! We could all move on from that. <laughs> execute the goat. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe if you like eggs. I do like eggs. If you're a big fan of eggs, boy, do I have the Pokemon for you. <laughs> Huge fan of eggs. <laughs> Toxicity though, it's kind of a that's a cool design. Yeah, yeah I think they neat. really they pulled out all the stops for that one. Yeah, they 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 did some cool stuff. Uh, big fan of Sizzlepeed, big fan of Centiscorch. No, like, those ones like, suck. I hate those ones. Like me, a big ribbon centipede. Made it of goes fire. back to the fucking yeah. They took fire and bug and they slapped them together. Like ah, how do we make this work? I yeah, I think it's inspired. You know. Far far better than than a seal named Seal. I, I, I like Seal. <laughs> what about Dugong? Dugong's fine, I guess. They gave him a bigger horn. Uh, Dugong doesn't have a horn. Yeah, he does. Does he? Yes. Dugong. This is the second time I'm going to have to school you on what a Pokemon <sighs> looks like. Holy shit. Holy shit. Look at that. It's not a big <laughs> horn. No, it's, it's like not. Little, it's like a little bump. It, it is. It is the same size as Seal. That I'm looking at it. Wow, they didn't really improve on that design much at all, did they? There's not much of an evolution going on there. There's no bad Pokemon designs in the original 150. I uh, wholeheartedly disagree. You can make the case for Jinx because Jinx is problematic, but uh, Jinx, Mister Mime. Mr. Seal. Mime's great. What are you talking about? Mr. Mime is ass. I hate what? him. What? Mr. Mime is I, fantastic. Okay. Remember when we had this conversation a while back about like the Pokemon that are clearly just people in suits that should not <laughs> exist? Look, sometimes you just really want to fuck Ash's mom. I, and that's the, only, the problem. And the only way to successfully do that is to dress up like the Mime Pokemon. You should not be able to look at a Pokemon and think, yeah, I could do that. Like, no, that that that's a hard stopping point. Okay, Pokemon need to be as far away from people as possible. And Mister mm. Mime is maybe the worst offender. <laughs> I don't know. What about Snorlax? Snorlax is basically people. Uh, no, Snorlax is a big pillow with a head. He's great. Yeah, but he's humanoid in shape. I no, he's like a bear. He's like bear, not a bear What bear looks like that? I'm not saying he's strictly a bear Pokemon. I'm saying he's big and round and squishy. Like, hmm. it's... it's. And, You're just and describing his, my dad. I mean, like... 
<laughs> Snorlax might as well just be Snorlax my dad. has more in common with Kirby than, than a person, is hmm. what I'm saying. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I think there's no bad... I think your Mr. Mime argument is full of holes. I I stand by my reasons. I you know we could also go into uh the Voltorb and Electrode issue, which like very <laughs> What's clearly the feels like they ran out of ideas. Come on, they're great. Look at Electrode; <laughs> he's so cocky. <laughs> he's I got a his... good face. He's got a good face. He's got a be- best face. Look at that. It, like like I I admit to a, a solid face facial expression happening with electrode he is still just a ball <laughs> like, yeah but sometimes just a ball. also there's a mechanical there's a game design reason for that so that when you pick up an item off the ground i know i'm gonna think about very that. familiar with why he is a ball look if we're gonna bitch about original pokemon <laughs> designs okay. like let's talk about the alolan and Galarian forms, all right? Like, this fucking Executor with its giant neck is so is fucking brilliant. dumb. It's, it is, 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 it is, is a stroke ruins, of genius. Ruins a classic design. What if what if Executor, but extremely tall, is just very good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will also hear nothing but praise for Alolan Raichu because he likes fluffy pancakes and surfing, and I'm all about that. I mean, Alolan I, Raichu, Alolan Raichu can stay, Alolan Marowak can stay, um, Galarian, Mr. Mime, fuck him. Yeah. Um, and the Galarian uh, legendary birds all suck ass. They all, it's True. like, what if we take all of the classic legendary birds and just ruin all of them? Galarian uh, Zapdos is kind of okay, because it's like a chicken. It's like a, it's like an angry chicken running around, but the other two... Uh, they... Galarian Weezing is solid. He can hang out. No, fuck uh, that thing. Fuck. You want to talk about a Pokemon design? You talk about a designer that phoned it in. Let's think. I don't know. We're in a we're in a British area now. I don't know. Let's give him a top hat. That's my know. favorite thing about him. I I I just I can't believe they went there. They uh. they did not slow down. They they saw that train <laughs> was about to hit a wall, and they said full throttle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right we spent too much time talking about this <laughs> pokemon, pokemon let's talk about our final game on this list paper mario colon the origami king let's talk about it i don't have much more to say about this game that i haven't already said i think this game this is a one of the only games i fully finished this year which is saying something for a very traditional RPG uh, because I don't play a lot of those and of those I do play definitely don't beat most of them. This is probably (laughs) the first one I've beaten in a long ass time. I feel like fallout four was the last RPG last big RPG I beat. So not since I would say 2016, maybe with an asterisk, might have played something in the interim and not remembering it. Um, Breath of the Wild, I guess. But I never beat Breath of the Wild. I never beat Ganon. Um, Paper Mario Origami King is carried by one thing and one thing alone. And that is its dialogue. I have heard this is a recurring thing for the for the Paper Mario series. 
Yes. Um, I think the combat's fine. I think all these people out here bitching about the combat are just stuck up. Like, I I mean, I don't... The combat's different. Get over it. All right? They're never going to yeah. remake Thousand Year Door. I, I Yeah. I, I think I touched on this last time we talked about it, and I think it's the one thing I can contribute to the Paper Mario conversation is, like, I have had my finger on the pulse of the Paper Mario community for a short while enough to know that everyone is always upset about the combat because it is not thousand year doors combat because this team has said very explicitly we don't want to do thousand year door combat anymore we don't want every game to have the same combat we want to try different things get over it which i respect the hell out of also this combat's fun i like it i like the boss battles um and you know the regular like mob combat like you're fighting a wave or two of enemies and you have to line them up if you you know it's a it's a radial system there's a bunch of circles you want to spin the circles around to line up the goombas and the troop in the koopas and the paracoopas and your shy guys or whatever um and lining them up in single file gives you a bonus lets you do more damage in a single turn and then the boss battles are the reverse the boss is in the center and you're on the edge and you have to chart a course around the rings to get to the center to do damage. Um, and there's a bunch of tricks to all the different bosses. Some of the bosses like, oh, you can only hit this boss when it's in a certain form or when uh, you can only hit this one from behind. So you have to make sure that what course you draw goes behind them. And there's a bunch of different stuff on the kind of battle map. So there, so Mario can only walk if there's an arrow, and the arrow is pointing di- different directions. So you have to use that to, you know, turn him around and change course and get him to where you want him to go. And then you have to land on like an attack token on a certain space to uh, actually deploy an attack. And sometimes the bosses have like you know, um, fire abilities or ice abilities, and they cover up parts of the map and prevent you from uh, being able to, to easily get to where you're going. You have to, you have to, you have to think, you have to think outside the box. You have to think outside the craft paper. It's a good back of the back of the box quote right there. Yeah. Think outside the craft paper. Hire me, Nintendo. I can write your marketing copy. Um, <laughs> Nintendo hire this man. <laughs> the but 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 the writing all the writing's great i think every ever almost every line is just like infinitely funny so clever there's a lot of pop culture references but they're done like very uh with 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 a deft touch it's not like just it's not like a fucking dreamworks movie where it's like hey we're gonna make a pop culture reference just because we're too lazy to think of anything else it's it's no it's all incorporated sometimes you'll get characters that are like name funny things that are obviously like references to stuff outside the mario universe and whatnot um it's hard for me to bring up examples off the top of my head right now but um it's there, I, there's... I have found a twitter account called origami king quotes okay hit me with some uh, so so i found a a toad clinging to a wall like a sheer cliff face mm-hmm. uh and he's going i thought i had more stamina than this but hey at least it isn't raining <laughs> which yeah. yeah stuff like that um i like these these two sort of colorless toads i don't know the context behind this one but they're hanging out around a, a pool 
And one of them is like, did you know that all rainbows in the world are simply light reflecting off through the stream of this particular spring? And then like the next page is, that's according to our marketing department. And marketing is a form of science. So it must be true. Yeah. It's just, it's every line. It's every line is like that. And it's always so great. It's just, it, 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 it fills the world with so much character, even though, you know, the, the, the counterbalance to that is like, it's not, it's, 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 it's very consumable, right? Um, <laughs> it's very much, you pick up, you read the lines like, ah, that was great. And then you kind of throw it over your shoulder. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, this is like, it's, it's kind of like, a different it's kind of like the reverse of something like adios where adios is like uh accumulating to something like with each kind of line that's that's uh you're, you're, you're getting drip fred like snacks here that that's just yeah, yeah. it's like um, it's like it's like trader joe's junk food right it's right. it's like you know you got your you got your jojos you got your like fancy probably pricier oreos and it's like ultimately they're still oreos but you feel a little bit better eating them and like a little and it allows you to like get your way through the story um and through the game and it's like ultimately the game is still like oh we're gonna save the princess whatever whatever and there's like some <laughs> some small curveballs to it but sorry I- i've been scrolling through this account and there's one like a-, a toad and a little hidden uh garden vegetable garden and he's like don't tell anyone else about this place okay I'm growing kale and it's like a magnet for hipsters. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like they, they got the localization team. Uh, like they just gave them carte blanche to like write whatever they want. It's like, all right, we're not going to put any restraints on you. Um, and I think it makes it such a joy to play the game. And it's like, you don't need much more than that. I, I think ultimately this is kind of similar to where I land on something like night in the woods. Mm. Um, like I don't feel like Night in the Woods core story. There's some strong moments, definitely, but I don't think like ultimately, when people praise the writing in Night in the Woods, I think what they're actually praising is just like how well the dynamic is written between May and her friends, and just like that particular brand of misanthropic sarcasm, kind of uh, uh, self hate that may trades in um and how kind of irreverent it 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 becomes because of that and i think paper mario the origami king trades in something similar where it's like okay it's not about this grand story that's like oh so amazing because it like kind of builds up to something beautiful and never before seen it's like no it's just really joyful the whole way through and by the end of it, you're just satisfied because you just read so much good dialogue that there's nothing really to complain about. Like, if you like the dialogue and you can, you know, find yourself to enjoy the combat, you Paper Mario purists, I think this game has a lot to offer. Yeah. And it it just, it, it made it, even though I forget how long it is, maybe it's like 15, 20, 25 hours long to get through kind of like the main portion of it 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 feels like a breeze like there's no point where it's like oh i'm just this feels like a slog it's like you're just you're constantly trucking along i yeah i am not terribly interested in standard rpgs um like jrpgs 
Western RPGs, but just like the idea of of slow turn based um, text box reading isn't something that super duper appeals to me. And I have been drawn to this game ever so slightly, like a little more each day. I am like inching towards that, you know, like buy an out button and 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 trying it out. Uh, everything I've seen about how like how beautiful the world is crafted, uh, how much they've sort of pushed the paper aesthetic as far as it could go in this one, uh, definitely feels like an experience worth checking out. Yeah, they do a lot of really good things where it's like if um, Mario, whenever Mario runs around, it's, you know, he's pretty rigid up until like the tip of his hat and like the paper that comprises the tip of him, like kind of like ruffles a little bit in the wind because it's like it can't fully stand up on its own. Um, You know, there's, you know, origami plays a huge component in the game, obviously, and part of uh, the combat loop is you can call on the combat takes place in kind of like this arena um, that is like semi diegetic in the world. Like it's not like you'll be like on a boat or something. Right. And then Goomba mm-hmm. will rush you and it'll enter the combat phase. But the combat like takes place in its own realm contextual to wherever you are. But then you're also surrounded by bleachers that (laughs) over the course of the game get populated with more and more toads but it only gets populated with toads that you find in the world so you'll find toads that have been like folded up by the evil origami guy and kind of like stuffed away they'll be like crumpled up into a ball and you take your mallet and you (laughs) flatten them to like unfold them and they get added to the audience in the battle phase and then whenever you start your turn you can call on the audience to help you and they will, depending on how many coins you feed them, which you get so many fucking coins throughout this game. So it's like you can just keep maxing out that thing uh, in every battle. They will throw you items um, and auto sort the enemies for you. So they're just automatically in a straight line or they're mostly in a straight line. You just got to move them once to like get the um, get the combo. So it's really nice. So it makes like the kind of kind of extras that normally populated rpg like this that are like Mm. off the beaten path that you hunt for have meaning in the core game because like hey if i like go around this corner and like hunt for something i might find a toad if i find a toad then that gets added to the audience and that can help me out later very cool yeah paper mario the origami king origami king and it has that kind of similar jrpg kind of like grandness to it right Mm -hmm. where it's like you know there's no there's no airship but there's kind of like an airship equivalent at some point and you're kind of like traversing all over the world there's a part where you go to a desert and the desert's like the shy guy domain and they like run like this desert town that is like kind of like built out of these kind of ancient ruins and it's like kind of like these adobe style buildings but they have like converted it partially into like a resort casino town so there's like a bunch of neon lights like plastered over top of you know all this kind of like ancient architecture and there's like shy guys on the street like doing like cup scams and whatever flim flams oh hell yeah like, yeah it's it's really good and there's like you uh you get a sh- you get a car at one point but the car is modeled after karibo shoe <laughs> so it's just a what? giant shoe that you drive across the desert 
and when you pull it into the shy guy town there's like uh parking it's like oh you know park park the car over here if you want and then if you park it perfectly in the um in the space it's like the shy guy says something it was like oh by the way it's reverse valet we pay you if you park the car well and it'll like throw you <laughs> 10 coins or something it's yeah just <laughs> the, the game bleeds charm and it's great wow yeah i i definitely feel like i gotta pick it up at some point it's good if only nintendo games went on sale more often that would be nice wouldn't or it? they go on sale but only the physical versions and i really don't want to juggle carts so that doesn't yeah. help me i've been doing that a whole lot more than i should be lately well that's that's a lot of games that's that's games baby we're at the the end of our video game journey we've played a lot this year it's true at least 20 at least that many it sometimes felt like a struggle to build this list yeah. uh so i imagine it's going to be a whole lot worse when we got to whittle it down yeah, it's uh oh you it was a struggle for you because you had so many games. Is that what you're saying? That um, you wanted to consider? Yeah, sure, let's go with that. Okay, cuz I, <laughs> I felt like I had the reverse. I was like struggling I was like, "All right, what did I really like this year?" Like I I think I had issues with both. Uh actually when it came down to it, I started to remember all of the things I had played. It definitely got a little harder. Um and then you know, like later th- things kept sort of climbing up the ranks. Um I have a some i have like i think i had like a four games deep honorable mention list mm. um that was just like you know backup plan should i need to replace <laughs> any one of these for like you, any particular reason do you want to briefly shout those out at the oh at the end uh here? well one of them uh was hitman 3 ah uh, another, <laughs> another was later alligator which i finally got to try um that is the small boo animation point and click adventure about alligator new york city and uh your pal pat in alligator new york city who's pretty sure because his family is in crime that he's gonna get whacked for his his 12th birthday uh so you have to go out and find out like is his family planning to kill him on his 12th birthday or is this just an extremely paranoid little alligator um I have The Pathless, which I believe I played this year. I was trying to go back and see if I did or not. And that's one that I think we talked about pretty early on. Mm. Um, But that is the uh, Giant Squid Games, a.k.a. the splinter of that game company, um, making their own sort of Shadow of the Colossus-esque exploratory uh, uh, combat light more rhythmic-y than anything uh uh take on these giant beasts to overthrow a great evil in in a land that you have once called home kind of thing very pretty very stylish very slick yeah i'm curious Um, how solar ash will compare to that one because they feel of a type yeah that's a good point they both sort of carry a similar vibe, uh, at least mechanically, at least from what we've seen of Solar Ash, which admittedly is not a lot. But um, lastly, I had Slice and Dice, which is was was my mobile game soup du jour for the year. I, I spent about two months with this one, just off and on. It's a just a very clean roguelike about um, rolling dice and building dice. I, I have a soft spot for 
uh, board game concepts that would not work as a board game because uh, slice and dice involves swapping uh, the sides of your dice. Uh, so like you need like a very complex sticker system or something or magnets. It, you can do magnets or magnets, you know, like, like that could probably work, but it, it's, it's like a, you know, you have a, a monster and it's going to do damage to this character, uh, at, at the end of this turn. Um, you can either kill the monster pre- to prevent it from doing any action. You can, uh, apply a shield like if you roll a shield side you can apply shield to that character to make them receive less damage from that attack and it's all about like trying to get the best possible results out of your myriad die and and their various faces uh it's you know it's it's missing a few things but it's made by like one person and i think it's like two people uh so like it's 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 got like BFXR sound effects, right? Mm. That was like the the major thing that I could tell was like, okay, you guys need a sound effects person. Yeah, but um, the telltale of a low budget indie game, right? Uh, but I mean, it's it's on phones and it's on itch, and it was a very solidly put together roguelike about rolling dice and and trying to come up with the best results you can from your dice rolls. I mean, I think it looks good. I, I like the aesthetic of it. Um, yeah it, it's clean and it works uh man and, and it's fun to figure out how you can cheese it just by like you know certain items again like replacing dice rolls or certain items that you can give a character that like make specific sides uh have greater numbers on them uh i i had a i had a really good run with a character who had a side that would damage all monsters uh, it would just do like one damage blanket to like the entire enemy party. And I had an item that could give it growth so that every time I used it, it, um, it got like, it added an extra point to it. And apparently the game like counts each attack as a use. So if it was like a fairly big party, like six monsters, it would go like up to seven and then, like, the next time I got to use it, it would do seven damage to all of the monsters. It was, you know, there, there's, like, crazy things you can do there. Um, fun combos. Just a, a fun, puzzly roguelike to wrap your head around. So. Did you ever play uh, Dicey Dungeons? I did not. I, I know everyone and their mother loves that game, but I have not had a chance to open it. Yeah, I would recommend that if you like this game. That that game definitely trades in some similar stuff, and you can kind of do some banana shit by stacking certain things in your favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Video games, video games. What's happening next, Dylan? Um, well, I don't know. I was thinking of like getting getting some more water. Probably <laughs> chilling out on the couch. I've been watching Bosch on on Amazon Prime and. Might watch some of that. I don't know. Maybe work my laptop a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a good evening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, that's it then, huh? That, that, that's the wordcast. That's the end of the, oh, our oh, best the podcast. Right, right. The podcast. The podcast <laughs> we're on. The podcast that we record. Um, no, next time for the podcast, uh, we will be uh, determining which of these. 20 fine games will stand 
the test and make it to our top 10 of the year are cumulative best games played. Um, but lest we forget, we had a, we had a, we had a deal. We had a deal, Alex, with these smash brothers predictions. Whoever came out on top was guaranteed one spot on the best games played list. Did no, are we not like, totally tied we are absolutely tied so we're not gonna think about that (laughs) not gonna consider that at all just wanted to make reference to the fact that yes we did have that wager and And nobody won (laughs) it went nowhere (laughs) that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes but yeah next time we'll we'll Determine which of these games are the best games played. Uh, but until next time, Alex, where can people find you? People can find me talking about these games and more on Twitter at G-H-O-D-A-N with an underscore. That's Godan with an underscore. Great. And you can find me at Dylan Vento. And if you like this podcast, you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at Word Video Games on Twitter or on our website at ward-games.com and if you like this podcast and want to listen to more of our podcast just search wordcast in your podcast app of choice hey maybe if you're on apple Podcasts, give us a review give us five stars i mean it doesn't have to be five stars but i prefer five stars if you know i feel all like being we're equal. worth five stars they were worth five stars what's it to a you five star man podcast listener <laughs> what's it what's it cost you to give me five stars nothing seconds give it to me. of your time give it to me We thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.